0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening to this. Welcome to the Live Your Legacy podcast. I am super honored today to have as my guest Mr. Dun- Dustin Runyon. <laughs> thank you. Hey. Uh, brother, thank you for making the time to do this. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate your contribution. And um, I just know as an observer of you, um, years ago, we were sort of, I would say, kind of loosely acquainted through mutual people that we knew. And then I've watched your life transform as as you transformed yourself and and been an observer of this amazing journey. And then over the years, probably spent more time being influenced by you or having the opportunity to, to be around you and know you on a more personal level. And one of the things I appreciate about you the most is what a genuinely authentic human being that you are. And uh, I see you in one-to-one relationships, I see you in business relationships, and I see you in big environments where you're rocking a stage and just blowing people's minds. And you're one of the few people that I've observed in my personal experience that really is the same person off the stage as the persona that they are on the stage. So I just want to honor you for that, let you know how much I appreciate that about you.
1: That makes it a lot, dude. I really, really, really appreciate that. That's probably the best compliment I could get. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. So let's talk a little bit about your, um, you know, personal journey, like, like in life, the place that a lot of us are at today is different than the place that we started. What is what is your story been and, um, you know, kind of your transitions through life and maybe some milestone moments for you?
1: Yeah. Um, so I was born in Arizona, uh, born in Phoenix, Arizona. I moved to a small town when I was three um, called Lake Havasu City, Arizona. And so Lake Havasu City is this small little town of 50. Well, now it's got about 55,000 people uh, right on the Colorado River. Um, but the Colorado River kind of gets wide and it it looks like a lake. And so um, just this this small town that I grew up in and um, I moved to Phoenix actually Um when I was uh, 18, and I started real estate when I was about 20, 21 years old, um, I started doing. I, I started actually in 08. So school was never my uh, school was never my forte. Um, my dad, uh, my parents split up at 16, and um, when I was 16, and it just school was never my forte. I was I, I graduated. I think it was 330 out of 336. So I, I had a 1.6 GPA, and so um,
0: so you're in the top 330. Yeah,
1: I'm top three thirty, baby. Awesome. <laughs> so uh yeah, just school is never really my thing. I don't know why it just wasn't. It still isn't today. Um, but uh yeah, so I I I, I went to a community college. I was like, I was enrolled in college, uh, never showed up. And so I was like, all right, I need to start making some money. And so I got into real estate. And so in 2008, right at the <laughs> right at the crash, Excellent and time. I didn't even know. Right. I found, I literally found an ad on Craigslist for a girl who was looking for a real estate assistant. Uh, When interviewed with her, she's like, I think I'm gonna have you do short sales. I'm like, cool. And in my mind, I thought short sales was a a sale that was really quick (laughs) and it was quite the
0: opposite. Isn't that funny? How ironic, how they, what what they're labeled and what our perception is, at least initially, like when you understand it, 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 you know, relates a little bit differently. So what age were you at, at that point?
1: I was 21. Yep. So you're
0: 21 years old and, um, a lot of people are going to college or choosing different paths and you're sort of finding your path and you, and you chose real estate. Yep. Yep. I
1: chose real estate. Um, uh, my mom was a realtor and so growing up. And so it was something that I, I, I don't know. I got to be honest. I saw my mom and all of, I saw all of her friends that worked at the office and they all had Cadillacs. And I was like, I want a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So got into real estate, started doing short sales um, for a gal, a real estate team out in Phoenix okay. and um, uh, worked with her for about two years. And then from there, I kind of, I I actually went back on Craigslist. She had something go on with her broker and uh, you know, um, and so we had, we kind of split ways and, um, I met, uh, I met this guy named Kyle Wyloge. and Kyle Wyloge and I, um, we went and we started our own short sale team. And, um, so yeah, did that for a little bit. That kind of, kind of got burnout from that. And I was about 23, 20, 24 years old, kind of got burnout from that, but we had built it up to be pretty big. I think we were doing about 30 million in, in sales per year, short sales. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we weren't making any money because, because <laughs> we just we just weren't we just I personally didn't know business and we had no models or systems to follow. Um, he had launched his own brokerage, and uh, yeah. So while we were doing a lot of sales, and I think you see this with a lot of real estate teams, is like big numbers but not big profit. So um, I got out of the short sales. We started doing some bidding at auction. Um, you know, he had opened a bid company downtown cause that was, you know, a lot of foreclosures going on at the time. Yeah. And then, um, from there, I actually, I came, came down here for, for, for mother's day, came back to Lake Havasu city from Phoenix for mother's day. And I had met one of the top agents here and, um, we were talking about real estate and she goes, you know, what, would you guys do? And the, the top agent here in, in Lake Havasu was doing about 20 million. We were doing 30 million in short sales. And she was like, what are you guys doing? And I said, uh, the internet the internet and cold calls. This was really how we built it. And she's like the internet. Right. I'm like, yeah. And I was kind of getting burned out in, in Phoenix and, and just kind of like the environment up there in Tempe was, was a very college environment and oh, yeah. <laughs> out of temptations. Yeah. So um, I left and I started working for her and I, I started doing internet. I started doing, um, you know, blogging and social media and different things like that. And actually three or four of the agents in town hired me. And then um, the Keller Williams here hired me as their tech director and then um, ended up from a tech director, I ended up uh, becoming the team leader of the Keller Williams. Um, and in about five years, we took that from about, I want to say it was like 60 million to over a half a billion in
0: sales. Wow. That's in that, time, that, that that's incredible growth. So, so let me ask you this question. What changed in you? hmm and because understanding technology and understanding how to generate internet leads and make cold calls to book appointments and attract clients through that medium is one skill set, discipline, talent, experience level. Becoming a team leader of an office with that kind of like record, mind-boggling growth. Anybody that has ever run a big team or an office or an independent brokerage can certainly appreciate like the magnitude of what you created with that. What, what, what changed?
1: Uh, That's a really good question. So I came down and I was the tech director and I was about 25 years old. Um, I had a Ford Expedition that had about 300,000 miles on it. And I had an interlock in it from when I had gotten a DUI when I was 21. Mm -hmm. And I just, cause I had never had a, I didn't have a car for a while uh, Mm -hmm. out in Phoenix. I was taking public transportation to work. And so, um, just because of poor choices, poor decisions, not a victim, <laughs> it was me. Um, but I remember I was sitting on, uh, I was sitting out at the Island here in town and I, uh, I was like, not in a good place, pretty dark place. And I remember a buddy of mine had gone to some of these seminars, um, out, out in Phoenix and he'd been talking to me about them a little bit. And I had asked him who, you know, who, who that was in that moment. I texted him, okay, hey, man, who is that guy that you had went to anyways, I had went to, um, the bookstore here in town and I had gotten the book, uh, awaken the giant within. Mm-hmm. And I read the whole thing that day and something clicked about the book. I, I, I hated school, but something about the book, it was giving me information and insight into why we do what we do. And that fascinated me just mm-hmm. understanding like why it is that we do what we do and, and, and what drives human behavior and how we can, um, how we can curate different behavior within ourselves, yeah. And it's just fascinated. So uh, I, I I got a duplex. I lived by myself. I kind of isolated myself from any any friends or anything. And I uh, I read a book a week for a whole year. And I think that's that was really the transformation was like just transforming myself. And um, it was it yeah it's it I always say this business saved my life because. It was what's so cool about business is you directly see like the growth of yourself. You, I always, you can't b- grow your business without growing you. And if your business is growing without you growing, it'll find its way back to where you're at. Yeah. Meaning, if your results are exceeding who you are, they're going to find their way back down. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it was so cool. Like, as I grew, these businesses grew, and as I grew, the people around me grew. And so, um, it was, uh, I mean, it was like a, it became almost like an obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally found you talk about this a lot in your legacy. It's like, I finally had found some meaning and purpose in my life. And, yeah. um, instead of just trying to chase money, cause I thought it was about money when in my you know, early twenties, it was money, 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 money. And it was right. weird. I, I had none. <laughs> and, and, uh, I would say in my early twenties, I made it about money and myself, and it was weird. I had none and I was unhappy. And then I made it as, as I, into my 20s or later 20s, I made it about, you know, meaning and purpose and others.
0: And I had money and was happy. <laughs> so, um, Isn't incredible. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well, that's super powerful though. And, and what I, what I really took away from what you just said was I think that so often, in the course of life, especially in, in this day and age where there's such, there's such an overwhelm of information and there's such instant access to everything. And we have the influence of social media, which is such a platform of, of comparison in so many ways. Totally. Um, and instead of looking like you were at a low point in life, and instead of looking for something external to fix it, Although there was an input, there was a book, but you, you were open to receive it and then you immersed yourself in it. And so you really went on an, an internal journey and an exploration of self. Um, and and I pers- my personal belief is that's the longest journey we'll ever take in our life is the yeah. journey within, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, I think that's really incredible. And what, what do you think were the, I mean, there was like a tipping point moment for you, but what, what continued to drive that? Was it just, you felt like there was something that connected with you, uh, in the book and connected yeah. the dots for you. And that, that was the first domino, you know,
1: um, when you said I looked internal was cause I looked external for about five years, mm-hmm. you know, five years of like chasing pleasure. Mm-hmm. instead of fulfillment and, and, and growth. So, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I got lucky. I met this kid, Alex. I, I, I call it like coincidences that happen in our lives that I don't think I did anything for. Um, I had moved into a complex in Tempe, Arizona. I had met this kid named Alex Erlenbush who introduced me to, uh, Anthony Robbins actually. Um, and then fast forward, I in, end up coaching for the Anthony Robbins, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, coaching program later on in life. But, um, yeah, man, pain. I mean, you get to a point to where it's like, I think you get to, a, or at least I got to a point to where it was do or die.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And most people, when put in situations of do or die, I would say a ninety-nine percent of people do. They do. You know, it was just painful enough to where it's like that was the motivator. You know, pain's a good motivator. Yeah, <laughs> it'll put you into action, right? The the old pain is not there for you to suffer. It's there to put you into a new action. It's there to say, hey, you know, very similar. You get a cut on your arm, right? It hurts because your body's like, give it attention.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: give give the cut attention. So same thing with your life. If there's some pain in the area of your life, it's like give it attention. Um, um. So yeah, I, I just call it be, I, being lucky. I got lucky to mm. uh, blessed. I mean, lucky to be born in America. You know, lucky to be surrounded by the people I was. I didn't choose a lot of it, um, but but what I did happen is I playing the victim wasn't working. <laughs> yeah. So I remember being like, I remember having this thing inside me um, early on in deep, live deep in me, which was like, I just wanted someone to like save me or someone to, I wanted it to land in my lap. I wanted someone to do it for me. Yeah. And I remember coming to the terms that day in that car. It's like, ain't nobody coming to save me. <laughs> and even if somebody does do it for me or does give me whatever, um, it, it, that's not fulfilling. Right. And
0: it's usually and, fleeting uh, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, what what's earned is never appreciated or what's, what's not earned is never fully appreciated. Yeah. And so I had to go out and do it myself.
0: Well, and you said you were lucky and, um, you know, I had a great conversation with a friend yesterday that was really focused around gratitude. And as it related specifically to real estate, we were talking about how grateful we were to be in such an amazing industry. And that's somebody that's been a long time like you have and I have. And so they've been through, you know, the, the darkest of times, if you will, at least in the, the Phoenix market and a lot yeah. of markets around the United States. And, um, um, but it really centered around relationships. And what a powerful influence they were. And with those, you know, become a responsibility to us to do something with those opportunities or to make the most of those relationships or sh- to show up and be one of those positively influential relationships and in the people around us. And, and that's what I've seen you do. So I, I don't know that it was, I mean, luck. I mean, it was good fortune, but you were, you were open to the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You, you weren't close-minded about it. Like you were, you were willing to to really take on the challenge of self and and walk this journey out. And I think that's really admirable and uh, look at the ripple effect that you've created from that one decision, that one commitment.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. um, Yeah. Being open, uh, being, being open is, is it's one of the tenets of growth. Like you you can't grow without being open to seeing things a different way. You know um, if you want to live a painful life, be rigid. Mm. be rigid and dogmatic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So what, um, from your perspective, like, what do you think for somebody that says, okay, there's, there's a place that I want to change my life. Maybe I want to go on a different career path. Maybe I'm not happy with my own, you know, personal wellness in, in some form, Um, you know, maybe I want to really redirect my life and be more responsible financially, or I want to build something of significant, um, you know, financially or or do more purposeful work. So Mm -hmm. what's the, what's the starting point? If you were, if you were coaching someone, like what would be some key things that you would say, okay, here's how you need to organize that and, and start taking action. Because I feel like sometimes it's, Although we probably know what to do, I feel like that's a very common excuse of, mm-hmm. of putting off, taking that first step.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first question I always ask people, and it's a, it, it seems to be one of a, a more difficult one for people to answer, is just a simple one of, what do you want? Like, what is it that you want? And what people tend to do is they tend to be pretty vague about what they want, um, like, I want to make more money or I want to be happier or I want to be, um, I want to lose some weight or I want to build a big business. And mm-hmm. so what I try to do is get people to not be so light bulb and be more laser pointer like, okay. like specifically, and this is a good thing to ask yourself about like f- what you fear. Like if you're not taking action at some area of your life, um, and And usually, that's there's some sort of fear there. But I always say specifically, what do you fear? Like specifically, like like go down to the grassroots of it. And so, same thing with what you want. Like, so I start off like, what do you want? Like, what do you want in your life? Um, and then I ask, what are the reasons as to why you want that? You know, if someone wants to lose some weight, uh, it's you know, what would that do for you? Mm -hmm. You know. What's the reasons behind it? So I think getting crystal clear on what you want is very very important, and then also I think from there, once you realize, once you get crystal clear, laser pointer specific on exactly what you want, like what is a big business to you, and get crystal clear on it. The second thing that I look at with people is like, is your values. Values are the is the compass that's going to guide you to your outcome to the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think getting clear on what, what your values are is very important. And then from there, I think uh, getting crystal clear on the principles that you are going to live by that are going to get you to where it is you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and with regards to principles, if we're struggling with what principles that you need, I challenge you to hi- go ask for help. Like Like, for instance, if my goal... I had this. I, I I wanted to do a CrossFit competition. So so my goal was to get first place in this CrossFit competition, as well as to become like um, an Olympic lifter. Meaning, I wanted to, I wanted to um, excel at all Olympic lifts. Meaning, like like I wanted to be incredibly good at every single Olympic lift there was, mm-hmm. um, as far as form is concerned. Um, and so what I did was I said, okay, what are my values? Well, I value hard work. I value commitment. I value doing what I said I was going to do. I value personal responsibility, right? These are the values. This is how I'm going to get there. Some people value the easy route. Some people value, right? Um, some people want to get there through cheating. Mm-hmm. Some people want to get there through these different avenues, right? So, they, so there's my values. And then what principles do I need to adhere to in order to get to my goal? Well, I had no clue. I don't know what principles I need. I don't know these lifting principles. I have no clue. So I went into the gym and I hired the best guy in the gym. It was an army ranger. He'd been Olympic lifting for 20 years. The guy was unbelievable. And I said, will you coach me? He's like, I don't coach. And I'm like, okay, well, you, can I meet with you twice a week and you can show me how to lift? He's like, sure. And I'm like, cool. How much is it going to cost? And he's like, you know, hundred bucks a session. Perfect. I'm in. And then he taught me the principles. Yeah. Right. It's like in business, you can be taught the principles. Um, And then from there, once I have my goals, the values I'm going to live by, the principles I'm going to need to adhere to in order to hit my goal. Then the last thing is turning those principles into beliefs.
0: Mm. Right. How do you, how do you bridge that? Because I think that that's a challenge for all of us. And, uh, you know, part of the journey is interrogating our own belief systems and like Mm -hmm. what actually fueled that belief. So as you're, if you have principles based on where you want to go, but you maybe have underlying belief systems Mm -hmm. that are not in alignment with that, what does that process look like?
1: Yeah, it's called resistance. Mm -hmm. So, so um, like a, a principle is a fundamental truth. Um, or or like a proposition that serves as a foundation for a system of belief or behavior. so um, with your business, in our business, we're in sales, right? And so um, we know there is a principle in sales, and sales in that principle is the more people I connect with, the more opportunity I create for myself with regards to doing business, creating more sales, right? Right. So some people in a simple form of saying that is like phone calls. Mm -hmm. Like we know the more phone calls you make, the more opportunity you create for yourself in sales, right? Right. But so many of us avoid the phone. Mm
0: -hmm. The two-ton telephone, right?
1: Yeah. And that's because, uh, so if a principle is a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as a foundation, for a system of belief or behavior belief is the mental acceptance of that claim as truth. Mm. It's surrendering to the principle. Does this make sense?
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And so, um, what I try to do, what we try to do with that is to get people out of their head and into their heart Mm -hmm. because you go back, you, you kind of said a little earlier where you stated, um, you know, we know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know what to do and you're not doing it, you're in your head. Mm-hmm. If you know what to do and you do it, chances are you've surrendered and you're in your heart. And then at that point, what we need to do is condition. And I can't think of a, a better way to condition a new behavior than an environment that demands it. Mm. So go back to my trainer named John. Yeah. John was an army ranger <laughs> at 21 years old. He, yeah. I had asked him, he had gone through the guy had been through hell and back just the training. He was a sniper. Um, he had seen things I'd never seen. Yes. He had been the places I've never been. And he had done things that I've never done and sacrificed things. I would never sacrificed. His body was, the guy was like 5% body fat. So, I mean, it, it was like hugging concrete <laughs> every time I <laughs> hugged him. Um, he was always on time. He was never late. He was always respectful. I'm saying all these things because I really admired this man. Mm-hmm. I really looked up to him. And he had created an environment in me where it's like, I don't want to let this dude down. Oh, and by the way, does, if I, if I tell this guy an excuse, like, I can't give this guy an excuse or a story because
0: it would almost be embarrassing. Wouldn't it's it?
1: embarrassing. Yeah. This guy's been, this guy has been to, he's, he's been on uh, deployed how many different times and seen things I've never seen and dealt with trauma I've never dealt with. Right. Um, I wasn't giving this guy any bullshit. Right. Um, Cause, cause he wouldn't accept it. And so, um, you know, you, uh, it's like, um, your life or your, your growth is a direct reflection of the expectations of the people you're around. And so a great way to condition new behaviors to get around people and, or to get into an environment that demands it. And so that's called conditioning. Because you, you ever done, you ever changed a behavior for like two weeks? For sure. Yeah. Only go back, right? And that's natural. Like part of growth is relapsing into old patterns. Um, but, uh, but, th- but the quickest way is to put yourself in an environment, get help, like asking for help is a superpower. If I ever want to change anything or grow anything, I, I go get help immediately. Yeah. I go find the best I can and uh, put myself there because a lot of us, what we do is we have new insight or we have a new insight or a new behavior. We start making it only to go back to like old friends or old family or or whatever it is, or or an old environment that doesn't support the new target. Mm -hmm. So we choose a new target, only go back to an environment that doesn't support the new target. Mm -hmm. And so we need to get around people that not only support the new target, but that demand it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is that a, uh, I was going to ask you about surrender. Is, is comfort or fear or a combination of those things, is that the greatest roadblock to, to the process of surrender?
1: Um, well, I think some of it's like, I think some of it's the human condition. So like in understanding that you are the, it, One of the ways to remove self-judgment, self-judgment stops a majority of us, um, not a majority, a lot of us though. And one way to stop self-judgment is like the brain doesn't like change. The brain likes familiarity, right? The ego likes familiarity. The ego likes to know it's going to be okay, Mm -hmm. right? it, It wants to, that's why change is so difficult for a lot of us, right? And and it's why we tend to focus on the negative because back in the day however many thousands of years ago or whatever uh fear kept us alive right like you had to focus on all of the negative to stay alive and so if you just understand that as a basic human principle like from the foundation of our brains you don't judge it as much Mm. and so um so, under understanding that yes, uh, fear used to keep us alive, and fear isn't this bad negative thing, and naturally the brain doesn't want to change because naturally it wants to go back to what's familiar, right? And we also know that if we stay comfortable, we don't grow, right? Right. Um, so if we accept these things of ourselves, and and. And we don't fight the fear. I say two, two, there's, there's three ways to approach fear mm-hmm. that I use for me. This is what helps me. I'm not saying this is help for everybody, but this is what helps for me. If I try to fight fear, what happens when you fight? You can get hurt, mm-hmm. right? You can get hurt. Uh, you can lose. Um, <laughs> you can lose the battle to fear. Um, also, you can ignore it. What happens when you ignore things? You ignore fear or you ignore problems or ignore it. Right. It it grows sometimes. Right. right. Time is time is fear's fertilizer. And when we ignore it, we give fear time. Right. Um, And so those two is what a lot of people do. So we try to get people to stop. I try to personally stop fighting it and stop ignoring it. And instead let's dance with it. Mm. Right. Let's invite fear to the table. What's up, fear? Good to see you. You're not this big, bad, negative thing. No, you're actually great. You're amazing. Now, what is it that we're fearful of? Let's get specific. You know, it's like phone calls. Like, what are you fearful specifically? Rejection. Okay. What type of rejection? What specifically are you fearful of? Somebody saying no. F you, you suck. And so, um, so yeah, but, but I would say uh, get specific about the fear. Don't fight it. Don't ignore it. Dance with it. Give it a seat at the table. I think, uh, I think they're blessings in disguise. Mm. You no, know, it's like, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think fear is a blessing in disguise. If you learn to work fear, it can be a, it can be a beautiful thing.
0: Mm. Um, it's sort of a reference point that l- lets us know that we're that we're reaching out of our comfort zone.
1: Yes. A hundred percent. You know, um growth is a really sexy word, like the word growth, personal growth, personal development sounds so sexy. Yeah. And I tell people, um, I just try to be transparent. Um, I try to say, listen, those all sound great, but here's how growth feels. Ready? <laughs> it feels scary. It feels uncertain. It feels messy. It feels, um, lonely at times. It feels, uh, you feel misunderstood. It feels, um, chaotic. It feels, um, this is how growth feels often. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why it's so important, um, to surround yourself um, with other people who are looking to grow as well, because one of the, the ways that one of the best coping mechanisms to all of those emotions and all those feelings is connection
0: mm-hmm. It's
1: human connection. So relationships. Yeah. Relationships. Um, yeah. You want to go further faster. It's like get, get in relationships with people who are doing what it is, That you want to be doing because they'll understand you
0: Mm -hmm. right well and they're they're accelerators then yes so um you helped me with something recently for a project that i'm working on that that gave me insight and will save me an incredible amount of time and trial and error and, and all sorts of things and and shared resources to to guide us in that process so thank you for that i'm Super grateful. But just as an example, like that is that was such an accelerator for me by asking, as you said, looking for who was doing something at the highest level uh, that, that I was interested in doing um, and, and then reaching out and, and you were open to, to helping. So thank you. And um, I, 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 I was thinking about when you were talking, one of my one of my favorite quotes is. Uh, from Zig Ziglar is around wandering generalities or meaningful specifics. And I think the people that are achievers in the world and, and influencers and, and not so much, I'm not talking about likes and followers and things like that. I'm talking about influencers that are maybe having an impact and, and really resonating with people and and influencing that way, like making a difference in people's lives. um, That they're, they're the growth minded people. And they're always evolving and they're looking to be in those environments because the world's always changing. And so if we're staying the same and the world's changing, then we're sort of like losing ground in relatability and community and relationships and, you know, progression of our life, you know, however, whatever category it might be, um, that, I don't know, that's just my personal perspective. So, you know, what are your thoughts about, um, you know for people that want to build you know community and and connect and um you know you know plugging in uh you know where where what does that journey look like from your perspective and and maybe your personal experience
1: yeah um i think if you're like wanting to plug into just like a community of sorts or like you're yeah. just wanting to
0: yeah um yeah. i mean i feel like we're more connected than ever yeah like, and I feel like there's a lot of people that feel disconnected. Uh, totally. People, I mean, I feel that personally at times. I'm like, uh, you know, the, the human connection that you were just talking about, like that to me has been the most rewarding part of life's journey. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So, you know, what does that look like? And what do you think the, the priorities are for people that, that are looking for that?
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, I get that question a lot. It's like uh, the the question is, you know, how do I get? You know, Dustin, you know, I get this, like Dustin, you always say, you know, get around life's about relationships, get around better people, get around people who are doing what it is that I want to be doing. How do I do that? Right. Um, well, if there's a few ways. Uh, One way is to, to, to find, find a coach or a mentor and pay them. Like mm-hmm. that's what I did. A majority of the time I took when I was 20, so I was 25, 26. When I was 26, I was making, oh, uh, I don't know. I was making, I'm not sure, I want to say like maybe $80,000 a year, but I was spending close to 50 of that on coaching. Like I had an Anthony Robbins coach, um, uh, Jason Drees. He was my coach. I had him as a coach. I had a business coach. Um, I had a, I had three coaches at one time. Oh, and then I had a psychologist because I was in the psychology. So I was, I had, um, I had an, an Anthony Robbins coach. I had a psychologist. And I had a business coach all at once.
0: So oh, I was. Wait a, wait a second! You're like a really driven guy, and you're a high achiever, and you're getting these business coaches. Why would you need a psychologist? Uh,
1: to, uh, I wanted to understand. Goes back to like I wanted to understand how my mind worked because remember what I was saying a lot of times if you can just understand how the mind works, you won't judge it as much. Right. And I also saw as I realized because I, I got into this Keller Williams right and. I was naive at like 24, 25 years old, super naive. Mm-hmm. I'd come in from an independent brokerage where I had no systems, no models, no nothing to follow, no training, no education into a company that was like offering all of this training and education, you know, and now with like some of these other companies, EXP, they offer all this training and education now. But at that time it was really only Keller Williams was the only ones really doing it. Right. And so, um, I come into this company, I'm like, they offer all of this, they offer all these systems, this, this, all this technology. How are these grown adults still failing? Mm. And that, it was a naive question. It wasn't a judgment.
0: Yeah, what a it was, great question, though.
1: It was actual curiosity. And what I found was 80% of success is psychology, 20% is mechanics. And mm-hmm. I've even taken that to an extreme in my life. 90% is psychology, 10% mechanics. But what I found was people were spending almost a hundred percent of the time on the how to, right. Right. Which is the mechanics. Um, and there's a guy, um, my buddy, Ronnie Doss's mentor, I forget what his name is. Uh, Mr. Clemens. Clemens wrote a book oh, called, it's Brian Clemmer. Uh, yeah. Brian Clemmer. That that yeah. He wrote a book called, um, if how tos worked, we'd all be uh, fit, rich, and happy. Yeah. Right. So, um, so, so yeah. So I, and that's what I brought in, even into the Keller Williams. I'm like, we we're giving everybody the how tos, but we weren't giving everybody the psychology, the mindset, yeah, shift, how to shift a belief, how to change a pattern. And so, um, so I hired a psychologist because what we really should be spending is ninety percent of our time on how to think differently. Yes. How to shift beliefs on our psychology, um, how to get really clear how to think. Right. Yeah. And, the, and why the, we, do we do what we do applied
0: in the wrong place. Right. Is what yeah. You're saying. Yeah. They should exactly. be applied on, on the mind side.
1: Yep. And so uh, that, that's why I had gotten a, a psychologist. This was really just
0: to study the mind. That's so awesome. I, I think that's a remarkable um, awareness on, on your part, especially at the age you were at when you did that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I that's incredible. I just,
1: I, I, and I really mean this. It's like, well, I believe in God or the universe or whatever. I, there's some higher power. But I just, I fell into it. And um, it was cool because, like I said, it, I finally had felt like I had some purpose. Mm. I figured if I could learn to change my life, I could I could help other people do that as well. And I got obsessed with figuring out, you know, how to help people solve problems Mm -hmm. in their life and in business. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You said you fell into it. I I think there's some divine orchestration in that. That's how I
1: live. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. At least for my life, it's been that way.
0: Yeah. What are you finding the most fulfillment in right now in your life?
1: Um. You know, I think um in the beginning, at least in the beginning of my career, it was um I wanted to uh I wanted to prove it to like everybody else that like I can make it happen with a shitty GPA and you know, anti-school and you know, I was kind of a degenerate there for a little bit and I wanted to prove it, you know. Yeah. Um, and then as you kind of kind of get to a point to where you have some success and you've built something Um. Really, right now, it's 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 helping other people get get to the next level. Um, Really, my obsession right now is just leadership, and uh, and helping people uh, get to wherever it is that they want to be. I think one of the missions that I wrote, like really simply that like a twelve year old could understand, is like I want to help people help themselves so much so that they can help others. And I think a lot of us try to help others without helping ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and so that's where my purpose lies. And then also, um, in my development company, like uh, people like, what drives you? It's like, well, I just want to do cool shit. (laughs) Like, I just want to be a part of cool shit. I want to be like, Hey, we built that subdivision or we built that, you know, we, we built that community over there and that's just, what's cool to me. And so, um, I want to help people that, that, and I know it sounds very simplistic and it's a pretty basic answer, but, um, help people get to where they want to be and then just do cool shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. I just
1: want to look back at my life and be like, man, I did a lot of cool stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I absolutely think you are. I mean, it's definitely having a huge impact in a lot of lives. Can you talk a little bit about your, I mean, you're juggling a lot of, of things now. You're coaching, uh, you're doing speaking events, you're running a development company, which was just a new endeavor for you within the last few years. So, uh, and then you have a real estate team. So can you talk about maybe balancing all that? And then, um, you know, how you endeavored into the development thing and the inspiration around that. And just, um, I mean, that takes a lot of confidence and, uh, you talked about dancing with fear. I'm I'm guessing there were some dance with fear moments in that whole process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there was a few questions in there. Um, I think the first one was how, how do you handle it all? Is that what,
0: yeah, let's start there. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, this goes back to kind of earlier. It's like, uh, I think one of the jobs of running a company, um, and I think one of the mistakes I, I made early on was I, I hired people that I thought I could lead. And I think that was, I was, I was hiring people that, that weren't as good so that I could feel good about me. Mm-hmm. And as I've grown, I've realized that really the only role that I have is to find people that are absolutely incredible and and hire those people. Mm -hmm. Hire people that are better than me, that are experts in their field, hire um, engineers who are experts in their field. Um, Our director of operations for our real estate team is... He used to run an ambulance company. He was the COO of an ambulance company out in California. Um, so you know in, in real estate how we say there's no emergencies in real estate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he had he had, you know, a couple hundred emergencies per day. So yeah. um it's so way less stressful
0: is, job for him, probably. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Got like hundred and fifty pendings or so, and he just he it's nothing for him. So, but he's just he is he is far better than I am far better than I am. Um, uh, our head of construction for a development company far better than I am at any of understanding development and really understanding leadership. Um, he's running a crew of, you know, 50 plus guys who are, you know, it's like construction and it's like, it's not office stuff. It's a different style of leadership. And so, um, he's incredible and he's insanely driven. Um, our COO for our development company. He's an attorney. He's done M&As, uh, mergers and acquisitions for multi-billion dollar companies. And so he's incredible. And so um, how, how I kind of handle it all is by getting in business with incredibly amazing human beings um, who have uh, similar values as we do as the cores of our companies, but are just far better than me at every area, like every area. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, and so that that's kind of how it is, is through leadership and through, and through getting in business with the right people.
0: How did you get in relationship with those people? You know, you've assembled it. It's like an all-star team that you've put together uh, uh-huh. for your development company. How did that transpire from, you know, I have this idea, I feel this inspiration to go do this.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm there. not going to give you some like stage answer where uh, I'll give you just like in, for me authentically is like, I think we're all magnets and it didn't happen overnight, right? I've been in real estate since, in, since I was 21. I didn't get my real estate license until four years ago. Um, but I ran a real estate company. I'd worked on myself. Um, I was growing myself. So when I went to go start my real estate team, um, my, our, the, the director of operations for my real estate team, Now he actually approached me Because he had seen what I had done with the real estate company before that, the brokerage. He had seen what I had done and and how I've grown that. And he's like, man, I can get on the ground floor of this, this real estate team. So I think we're magnets. And so I think if you want to attract better people, like I will tell you, the bigger that you think and the bigger that you go, the more talented people want to be a part of that. Right. Right, um, and also you as a human being, um, are you personally growing? You know, are you? I can't ask my team to grow or people to grow. I can't be attracting great people. Great people want. Just think about what it is great people want. They want to be a part of of organizations that are growing, that are building, that are creating. Right. Uh, and in order for an organization to grow, you better be growing. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I think and and I would leave it with this it's like get the results that you want to attract. Yeah. You know? How about that? Yeah, you you want you want to attract people who who can create big results. Well, let's let's work on you getting them first. Yeah. In your life. And so um I think how you decide to live your life and how you decide to live or decide to to operate your business is what would your business need to be like in order for it to attract top talent? What would your uh, life need to look like in order for you to attract top talent? And I think, uh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's really, it goes back to the one of my principles I live by, which is just personal responsibility.
0: Yeah. Starts there, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. For Absolutely. everything. For everything. Yeah. Not fault. Not everything's your fault, but it is your responsibility regardless.
0: Yeah. Can we circle back to the, the, like the fear of like you, you're endeavoring something that's really big, that was quite different than what you'd done before. So for someone that's at a place where they're like, Hey, I want some transformation. Or, I really want to change out of this, this place that I've been in. And, you know, I have a vision or I feel inspired to go do something and it scares the shit out of me. Like what was that like for you and your experience in taking that leap of faith into to what you're doing now? One of the things that you're doing now.
1: Yeah. With the development company specifically. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Uh, yeah. So with that, I, the very first thing that we did was actually um, uh, my partner, Andrew, he had approached me about doing a development and um, he's, he is one of the best at what he does. I mean, probably the best I've seen. And he's, he just has great values. So the first thing that we did when doing the development company was to get in partnership with the right people. So, um, and, and people that have done it. And so like An- Andrew, our head of construction, he's, he's developed like half this town. Um, and then now our engineer, my friend uh, Britt, who is our engineer, who married one of my best friends, from high school, she's an optometrist. She's actually the number one optometrist in the country. Wow. for Specialty contact lenses. She married Brit. Britt's a civil engineer. And so the first thing me and Andrew did was like, hey, man, we're not, <laughs> we need to get an engineer. I go, I know this guy, Britt. He's where he goes. I've actually worked with Britt. So we got in partnership with the right people. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and and so that, was, I would that say, was rooted in relationships, though, ding. And, and alignment of values you got it.
1: Yeah. Everything, really everything in my life really goes back to those two things, relationships and values. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, so yeah, we put it together and we started small. We did a five acre, uh, four parcel subdivision. Um, I raised the money from friends and family. I put together a pitch deck on my own. You know, I just, I kind of stumbled through it. I think here's one thing is most people aren't willing to look like a beginner. And I used to have this or feel like a beginner. I used to have this at the end of my emails. It said, if you haven't felt like a beginner in a while, you probably haven't grown in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone wants to be the ace. And I think uh, the willingness to be a beginner. And so uh, we, w- us as a company in the very beginning, we looked like Bambi trying to run across ice. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was, it was, we, we always said, well, I'm glad I did this one with friends because we learned a lot on that first one. Yeah. Um, but from that first one, the second one, we created systems and processes. Um, I had a friend that I had coached who had been doing a lot of developments. I had two friends that I, I coached and consulted with regards to leadership and, 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 personal growth within themselves. Well, they had done some large developments. Um, and so I said, Hey man, we need to write some contracts up. He gave me his attorney. I ended up hiring his attorney as our COO. Yeah. So, um, um, and and how to structure these deals and different. So we created a system, a model, and a process through other people who had done it. And it goes back to my old model. If I didn't know how to do it, I paid somebody who did. Yes. And for those of you that are on the call or you're listening to this and you don't have money to pay somebody, um, I don't believe you. Um, Most people won't sacrifice lifestyle or things for growth. Mm. Right? What do you do every day? Do you buy a coffee every single day? Do you mm-hmm. go to the grocery, store? Do you, or do you go to the gas station every single day? What are you buying that's not necessary? Instead of like, it's it's what do you want, and then what are you willing to sacrifice to get it? Mm-hmm. You know, what things in your house do you have that you don't use that you could sell? Right, and so it's like, how bad do you want it? And so, um, um, so yeah, so from the five acre, we did a 52 acre subdivision, 50 lots, and then from there we did 180 acre uh, subdivision, 170. And then from there, we did another, uh, we have another one right now. It's 180 acres with about, it's, it, it's uh, about 1,400. So it's going to be um, afford- more more affordable housing.
0: That is incredible. So you, you went from the initial one, you went from Bambi on ice to 10Xing to your next project. Mm-hmm. And now what you have is is probably at least 5X that and, and growing from there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's because, um, I I look at it this way. How can I ask my team to grow if I'm not growing? How can I ask the people in my life to grow if I'm not growing? Mm -hmm. How can I ask people to not be complacent if I'm being complacent? So I need to be an example, right? My dad, one of the things my dad did brilliantly for me, my dad left at 16. I didn't talk to him again until I was 30 and he's passed away now, but One thing that he taught me, I didn't have the dad I wanted, but I definitely got the dad I needed. Um, My dad would always say, don't listen, don't, don't listen to what I say, not what I do. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm still confused by that. Right. (laughs) It's like, how can I get up on fired up Fridays every single day and, and preach growth if I'm not doing it in my own life? You know, how can I ask people to step up if I'm not stepping up? And I think that's where you get a lot of this uh, um incongruence or like this, this conflict with leaders is they're asking everybody around them to do these, to grow, become more, you know, and
0: they're themselves aren't. So they're coasting and they're wanting other people to row faster.
1: Yeah. It's like, that's not, that's just so incongruent. And I think that's, I remember being confused as a child, like, you know, my dad telling me to to be disciplined and be committed and do all these things and don't half-ass anything while he was, you know, doing quite the opposite on the other end. Um, you know, bless his heart. You know, he was doing it the best he could, but yeah. So, um, so I, I grow for, for myself and for those, those around me because if I want to give more, I better grow more. And if you're trying to give more without growing more, uh, I find that, that that tank empties pretty quick.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that ties back to the inc- incongruency. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're living in a truly authentic version of ourselves, I think that we're just kind of in a state of flow and it's energizing. And um, But, you know, the, the the old expressions like fake it till you make it and... <laughs> you know, where, where you're, what you were saying was kind of in contrast to that. It's like, Hey, be willing to go out and look like a beginner and stumble and fumble your way through it a few times and get better every time until you start to get the confidence and build some momentum in what you're doing. Um, and that, and that's an authentic experience doing it the way that you, that you suggested. So, yeah. So let's wrap up with this. Um, I'm also, uh, you know, I want to invite people to your community, which is incredible with Fired Up Fridays and what you're doing, and so impactful to that. And and give you an opportunity if people want to reach out to you directly and they're interested in coaching or or connecting with you or or have a real estate opportunity uh, for you, anything like that. Um, you know, I want to add value for you however we can. And um, and so I want to. I mean, we can put links in, but if there's if there's something that that you want to throw out there in terms of how people reach in. Then I want to wrap up with just a final question.
1: Yeah. Uh, you reach me one place every Friday at 10 AM uh, Arizona time. I say Arizona time because we're us in Hawaii are the only two, two States in the nation that don't have daylight saving time. I, 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 I strongly have we're a pioneers. Dis- yes. I strongly did. There, there's something that I have strong distaste for. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's daylight savings time. Um, so 10 a.m. Arizona time, every single Friday, uh, firedupfridays.com. It's completely free. We talk about leadership, growth. We interview some top people in the nation that are doing doing incredible things. Um, and uh, yeah, just always trying to provide value. It's completely free. Invite your friends, family, whoever you think that could benefit from uh, some quality conversation around growth and and
0: leadership. Awesome. So, thank you. I'm grateful for the time, uh, for your contribution. Um, a ton of, of wisdom that you've shared today. And uh, I know it's going to make a profound impact on anybody that takes the time to listen to this conversation today. You mentioned a couple of things that were important to you about your life, uh, including do, doing cool shit. Um, you know, as you reflect on the legacy question and your personal legacy, what really resonates with you, uh, as you think about the meaning and the impact and the influence that that you want your life to be?
1: I think, actually, I don't think I just, I, I'll give you this, this simple form and I kind of gave it to you a little earlier, but I just want my life to matter. And I want whoever comes in contact with me, um, and, or has an experience with me, I want them to leave, um, feeling better, or I want them to leave, um, wanting to do better. Um, I just want people to have a quality experience from my existence. (laughs) And so, uh, so yeah, back to the, the, the simple thing that a 12 year old is like, I want to help people help themselves in such that they can help others. And so, um, I think we live in a world where we put a lot of people, other people first. And so in my life, um, you know, I come first. I need to work on me because if I work on me, then there's more of me to give. And so um, I just want to be an example, not a warning.
0: Mm. That's great. Uh, Well, you are, my friend. I appreciate it. And uh, I think everyone, including me, is better every time we uh, spend time in your presence. So thanks for sharing it with us. I appreciate you me. and uh, thanks for your contribution today.
1: Thanks, brother, I appreciate you.